many of you had busy afternoons, and I appreciate you taking time and making uh, time to be back here tonight to study God's Word, and I hope the things that we talk about will be helpful to us as we strive to be pleasing to God in every aspect of our lives. You know, there are many people in the religious world today who are looking for Christ to establish His kingdom in the future. The premillennialists that we have talked about and we'll be talking about in our community Bible study, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses that we may have opportunity to talk to, many people in the religious world today who claim to be following Christ are still waiting for Christ to establish His kingdom. Yet the scriptures teach a different picture of that. In Mark chapter 9, verse 1, in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus is talking to some folks who say, he says, we'll see the kingdom of, of Christ come and the kingdom of God come in, his, in their lifetime. In Mark chapter 9, verse 1, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there will be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. It's, it's very near. In fact, there's going to be some people who are hearing me now that are going to see the kingdom of God come in their lifetime. Well, that limits then the period of time when, when the kingdom could come. It had to come within, say, 30, 40, 50 years of when Jesus was talking. In fact, it came quicker than that. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul speaks in past tense, and in Paul's lifetime, they had witnessed the kingdom of God come. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, says, Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so by the time that Paul wrote Colossians, they were already in the kingdom. The kingdom had already come. The kingdom's not coming in future tense. We shouldn't be waiting for a kingdom. No, the kingdom is here now. It came in the first century. Well, I don't really want to talk about all of that tonight other than lay the foundation and the groundwork here that we are in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of His dear Son, as Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says. John, in the book of Revelation, John was in the kingdom. First century Christians were in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom today. And as citizens in the kingdom... I want to tell you we enjoy great privileges. We just got done celebrating our nation, the United States of America. And as citizens of the United States of America, there are incredible benefits that are ours. Benefits that are numerous. And in fact, many of us would never consider changing our citizenship to another nation because of all the benefits that we enjoy in the United States of America. Well, as citizens in God's kingdom, we have numerous benefits as well. Benefits that we need, to be, we need to be reminded of and benefits that we ought to be continuously thankful for. Benefits that we enjoy as being members of the kingdom and citizens in the kingdom of God. In the passage that Joseph read for us in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, Moses is enumerating the benefits that the Israelites enjoyed as being citizens of God's earthly kingdom, the nation of Israel. And tonight I want to examine the benefits that Moses highlights that the Israelites enjoyed in being part of that kingdom that parallel and mirror the benefits that we enjoy as being part, members of the, or citizens of the spiritual kingdom of God today. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning of verse 5, 
Moses says, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh to them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? Moses says to the children of Israel, you're blessed to be a part of this kingdom. And those blessings are like the blessings that we enjoy in the kingdom of God today. Let's look at them quickly and look at the benefits of being in God's kingdom. Over and over again in the passage that we're looking at here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses says this, that they are part of a great kingdom. In verse 8, he says, In what nation is there so great? We are part. They were a part of a great kingdom. We are part of a great kingdom today. And yet the devil has been very successful in convincing us that Christianity is something that we ought to be ashamed of. That we ought to sort of shirk back and recoil when we have to admit that we're Christians. It is something that we ought to sort of keep in the closet because we're not real happy about being a part of the kingdom. No, the devil's lies are not true. We are part of a great kingdom. He's tried to convince you that if you're a Christian, you're some kind of weirdo. Or maybe you're some type of extremist. And yet we're part of a wonderful kingdom. We have a wonderful king. You know, there have been presidents in our nation's history that were not great people. Presidents, in fact, who brought shame on our nation. We can think of some in the recent past who have, have created or done things that cause shame. And yet, as members of this citizens, this kingdom, we have a king who is wonderful. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31. As Mary is told about the son that she's going to bear, the Messiah, the Christ child, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him about him. He's a wonderful king. We serve a wonderful king. There's never been a better king. We're part of a wonderful kingdom with, a with an incredible king, and we're part of a kingdom that will never end. Kingdoms of men come and go. Kingdoms of men have always come and gone and had an end. And we sometimes wonder when the United States of America's end will be. And yet we're part of a kingdom that will have no end. In Luke chapter 1, verse 33, the next verse in the passage we're looking at here in Luke 1. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This kingdom that we're a part of is not going to have a demise. It's not going to crumble and fall. We're part of a kingdom that has no end. In Daniel chapter 2, the passage that we just recently looked at in our Sunday morning Bible class, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, as Nebuchadnezzar has this vision and Daniel is explaining the vision, notice what he says about the kingdom that Christ would establish. In the days of these kings shall the, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never 
be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. We're part of a wonderful kingdom that has an incredible king and a kingdom that will last forever. We're in the kingdom, a great kingdom that has been foretold throughout history. A kingdom that the prophets were prophesying about. Daniel, one of those who were saying that there's going to be this great kingdom coming that has no end. It won't be like every other kingdom that history has seen. This kingdom will have no end. A wonderful kingdom. Prophets were pointing to it. People for centuries were anticipating it. And now today we get to be a part of this kingdom. We need to know what a wonderful blessing that is. And we need not be ashamed to admit that we're Christians that we're part of the Lord's church, that we're members of, or citizens in the kingdom. We should not be ashamed of that. It is a wonderful blessing, and we need to be reminded of that. But furthermore, as we look at what Moses tells the Israelites about the blessings that they were going to enjoy as being part of uh, citizens in the kingdom that God has chosen, the earthly kingdom there of the Israelites, he says that they were blessed to have the commandments from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8, he says that these people are, the people are around them were going to see what was going on and were going to say, what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? The other people around this, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, were going to say, this is an incredible kingdom because they have such great laws. They have such great commandments from God. What nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law? We have the blessing of being uh, given God's instructions for us in our lives. And again, the devil has been very successful in his campaign to provide uh, misinformation. The devil has convinced us that God's instructions are a curse that the Bible is a curse, that if you read this and if you do this, it's going to make your life miserable. That this book is full of things that just make you miserable. Lots of things that you can't do that you really ought to be doing because it'd make you happy. And lots of things to do that are just sort of worthless and meaningless. And You'd be better off if you didn't have that. That's what the devil wants us to believe. And the devil, sadly, has been successful in convincing us many times that these, these instructions in God's Word are a curse rather than a blessing. And he's told us that the less we know about God's instructions, the better. Bible knowledge in America is shamefully low because people have stopped studying their Bible. But he's convinced them that there's really no value here. There's really nothing you need to look at here. This is really sort of worthless. It's old-fashioned. It's antiquated. It's not relevant to today. That this is not of something you ought to spend your time studying. And so Bible knowledge in America is shamefully low, but I'm afraid it's shamefully low in the church too because we may have bought into that idea that there's not really much value here. And he's told us that God's instructions are the enemy to our pleasure and true fulfillment in life. He did it with Eve, didn't he? He told Eve, Eve, if you listen to God... And if you abstain from eating fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's going to hinder you. That's going to keep you from being the real person, all that you can be. Eve, you really need to eat of that. And she bought the lie, didn't she? 
He convinced Lot's wife. You know, Lot's wife, he said, you know, you really ought to, Miss Lot, you ought to look back behind you. God, I know God said not to, but you really ought to look to see what's going on back there. You need to know. And she bought the lot. And he continues to do it today. To convince people that God's word is a hindrance to our, success, our happiness and our fulfillment. And he's convinced us to ignore God's teachings if they go against what we believe or what we want to do. How many people have you heard say, well, I know it says that. I know that's what the Bible says, but... I know I ought to be doing what the Bible says in this area of my life or that area, but because they've bought the devil's lies, that we ought to just ignore God's instructions if they go against what He's told us to do. But God's commandments bring us great blessings. And Moses was reminding the children of Israel that there are great blessings in God's commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, a little bit later in this context, as Moses is addressing the children of Israel, notice what he says to them. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 26, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which you haven't known. Moses says you got two choices. You can be blessed or you can be cursed. Blessed if you obey God's word, but cursed if you disobey it. And certainly there was a blessing from God if they obeyed. God was going to bless them and be with them. And there was a curse if they disobeyed. God was going to punish them. But I want to tell you it goes much farther than that. God's commandments aren't just like some type of bitter medicine. You know, there are some times when you've got to take medicine that isn't very pleasant at all. If you take the medicine, you'll get better, but it sure isn't going to be a whole lot of fun swallowing it. Cough medicine's like that, isn't it? You've got to take it, but boy, turn your tongue inside out trying to get it down. Chemotherapy's like that, isn't it? Somebody gets cancer, and chemotherapy helps a lot of times, but it isn't any fun having it and going through it. There's a blessing in these medicines, but it isn't any fun while you're doing it. I want to tell you, God's commandments aren't anything like that. They're not like that bitter medicine. Well, we just got to do it because God said to do it, and it's going to be real miserable while we do it, but maybe someday we'll get to go to heaven. No. God's blessings are a blessing for us while we do them. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statues to fear the Lord our God. Notice why. Why did he do that? For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. God didn't give us the commands he gave us in his word to hurt us. God didn't tell us, don't do that, because he wanted us to be miserable. He didn't say, do this because he wanted to cause us harm. No, God loves us. And when God gives us instructions, he did, gave them for the reason that Moses instructed us here. For our good always. There are blessings in God's commands and following them in every aspect of our life. If God loves us and wants the best for us, which he does, 
We know that He loves us and wants the best for us because why? Because He gave us His Son to die on the cross for our sins. It's an, a given that we shouldn't even doubt. God wants what's best for us. He loves us and wants what's best for us. And so if He gives us instructions, it only stands to reason then that every instruction He gives us is for our good. And yet many times we look at the Bible like it is some type of curse. Like, I don't want to read that page because I'm afraid it might tell me I need to change and do something that would be bad for me. No. I want to read that page because if I need to change and do something different, it'll be for my good. It's a blessing. I ought to be searching this for more things that I can change in my life to align with what God wants because it'll be for my good. Because God loves me and wants what's best for me. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Paul tells Titus that God's grace, God's favor towards us that we did not merit is what gave us the instructions that we have. These instructions are for our good. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The Bible tells me that I can't live like the ungodly people around me. The Bible tells me that I can't pursue every lust that I have. The Bible tells me that I have to live soberly, that I have to live righteously, that I have to live godly. The Bible tells me that, but you know what motivated that? God's grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. God's grace revealed His Word and His will to me. That tells me that these instructions are for our good. We need to understand that. Children, you need to understand that. Your friends around you as you get older are going to be telling you you need to do things that are contrary to what you've learned from the Bible. They're going to tell you that you need to do this because it's going to make you happy. It'll be fun. We need to understand that when we violate God's will for us, when we're going to end up making our lives unhappy and our lives miserable, and there are going to be consequences to that. Those of us who are older need to understand this as well. We need not be ashamed when we can't do some of the things that those who are around us are doing because we understand that we're not doing those things because God told us not to do them for our good. We don't need to feel like we've been cheated. God has given us commands that are a blessing. God's commands are for our good always, and we have the benefit of these commands as being citizens in the kingdom of God. And we need to understand that, just like the children of Israel needed to understand. I'll tell you something else that's a great blessing, and that is the blessing of being God's representatives. When we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we get to be God's representatives in this world, and that's an incredible blessing. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. The children of Israel were going in to the land of Canaan, and they got to be God's representatives. Other people would see them and know that they were the children of God. The blessing of being God's representatives. What if the president called you tomorrow morning? and says, Ben, I got a big meeting over in the Ukraine with Russia, but something's come up at the White House, and I'm not going to be able to make the meeting. 
Would you go and be my representative? Would you be honored if the president called you and said, hey, I need you to be my representative? Of course you would be. As soon as you got off the phone and you got your, caught your breath, you'd be calling everybody, you're going to fly me over there on some fancy plane and I'm going to be the representative for the president. You'd be amazed at the honor and the privilege. I want to tell you, we get to be the representatives of God, the almighty creator in this wicked world that we live in. What a privilege and what an honor. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you show, should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. The creator of this world wants you to be his representative. What a wonderful blessing. But what an incredible and awesome responsibility it is as well. You know, we form an opinion about someone or some place based upon its representatives. I've never been to Minnesota. I only know a couple people from Minnesota. You know what I think about the people in Minnesota? I think they must be like the people that I know from Minnesota, right? You think like that too, don't you? What if someone came here from a foreign country? Let's say that someone came here from uh, somewhere, uh, let's say in uh, South Africa. And you got to know them. You got to know what they were like, what they liked to eat, what they liked to do for recreation, what their interests were. And what you would do is you would uh, then it, uh, impose that or transpose that onto the other people in South Africa, wouldn't you? So he comes from South Africa. Well, everybody in South Africa must be like this guy that I've met from South Africa. So it is with us as Christians. Do you know that when people think about Christ and his church, they think about you? Because you're a representative. You claim to be a Christian. You wear his name. And when someone thinks about what it must be like to be a Christian, they think about the image that I've displayed, the image that I've portrayed to them. What must it be like to be a citizen in God's kingdom? What must it be like to be a follower of Christ? Well, he claims to be one, so that must be what it's like. She claims to be one. That must be what it's like to be a Christian. What an incredible responsibility. We reflect upon Christ and the Father in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, notice what Jesus said about that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus says, let your light shine. Why? Because you're reflecting upon your Father in heaven. When they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father. When they see your good works, they'll realize that you're living like He wanted you to live. You reflect upon Him. What an incredible responsibility it is to be God's representatives. What kind of light are you shining on Christ and on the Father? This is your responsibility and your incredible blessing to be God's representatives. Another blessing that Moses told the children of Israel that they could expect and enjoy as being citizens in God's kingdom in the Old Testament was that God would hear their prayer. And the same blessing we enjoy in the kingdom of God today is that God will hear our prayers. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. For what nation is there so great who have God so nigh unto them 
as the Lord God is in all things that we call upon him for, the children of Israel could have confidence that God would hear their prayers. What a wonderful blessing. The Israelites could understand that God would be there when he, they called upon him for all things. Can you be, imagine that? That the creator of the world is there to hear our petitions and our prayers. The creator of this world hears what I'm concerned about. Don't you imagine that our concerns are really, really insignificant for the one who is sending the rain on the just and on the unjust? The one who rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he wills, as we read about in the book of Daniel? The one who is controlling everything in this world cares about me and the sinus congestion that I would like to have help with or the family challenges that I'm concerned about or maybe the t difficult situation on my job. The creator of the world, here's my concerns and my prayers. That's an amazing thing to think about. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatever, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of Him. God hears our prayers. What a wonderful blessing that is. A blessing that those who are not in a relationship with God do not enjoy. But a blessing that we have as citizens in the kingdom. As a result, we need to do what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come to God and get the help that we need. What a wonderful blessing that is. Jesus tells us and reminds us that we're going before our Father who loves us and cares for us. He hears us and will provide for what we need. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Matthew 7, verse 7, beginning. Matthew 7, beginning, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Even an earthly father would want to provide for what his children provide for what we need when we ask Him. Let us be more mindful of this blessing that we enjoy as citizens in the kingdom, the ability to go before God in prayer. And let us be more fervent in those prayers. Tell you something else that the children of uh, Israel were reminded of by Moses, and that was that they were in a relationship with God as we are in the kingdom of God today. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? God was close to the children of Israel. The nations around them didn't enjoy that blessing. But what a wonderful blessing it was to them to have God so nigh, so close to them. And God is close to us. God is our Father, and we are His children. 
Have you ever wondered what it might be like to be, say, the president's son or the president's daughter? What must it be like to be the son or daughter of someone like that? Or maybe you thought about being the son of, or daughter of some wealthy businessman, some r really rich individual, and you're their son or their daughter. There'd be some incredible benefits to that, wouldn't there? No doubt there'd be some challenges to an earthly father who is that powerful and that rich, but what incredible blessings that would be. What a blessing it is then to be the children of God and to have him as our father. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're citizens in the kingdom of God, and we're in the household of God. We're in his family, the family of God. Imagine that, being in that close of a relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 8, beginning of verse 10. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, who I'll remember no more. God has made a covenant with us. We're his people. He's our God. He's our Father. We're his people. And as a result, that changes the way that we live. We're not citizens of this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're in a relationship with our Father, not in a relationship with this world. And as a result, we need to be separate from the world. We need to live different than those who are around us because we're in a relationship with God and we don't want anything to come in between that, us and God. We don't want anything to, to tarnish or hinder that relationship. And sin separates us from God. Sin interferes with that relationship. And so we live different than the world around us. In Colossians or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, a favorite passage of mine as we think about living in this wicked world. Notice what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, Come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We're in a close relationship with God. But that means we have to come out from the world, don't we? We can't live like the world around us. We've got to live differently. We've got to live for Him every day of our life so we can be in this relationship with Him. We're in a relationship with God. God cares for us. God hears us. God provides for us. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing to have God so near to us. We can never take that for granted. The benefits of being in God's kingdom. We're part of a great kingdom. The devil would like to convince us otherwise. Would like to convince us to be ashamed of the kingdom we're in, but we should never be ashamed. We're in a great kingdom. 
we have a wonderful king. That kingdom will never end. And we've been given the commandments of God and how he wants us to live because God knows what's best for us. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. And so he's told us in his word how to live so we can be blessed in this life and in eternity. We get to be God's representatives. God wants us to be his representatives in the world to show other people what it's like to be a child of His. He hears our prayers, and we're in that close relationship. When we're near to Him, He'll be a father to us, and we'll be His children. What a wonderful blessing it is to be in the kingdom of God. How's your relationship with God tonight? Are you enjoying the blessings of the wonderful kingdom that we're in? And are you living like citizenship in this kingdom demands? Are you living for him in every aspect of your life? If there's any way we can help you spiritually tonight, will you let us know while we stand and sing?